Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Well, we've made it. Welcome to Hour 2 of State of the Nation. It's hard to believe we've already done a full hour, but we have. I'm Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. And there he is now. That's Brian McLean, also known as Hesher. He's in Central Texas. Uh, Hesh, hello. And we've got another big hour in front of us here, brother. Yeah, I'm pretty excited uh, about our guest lineup. Yeah, we got a good one. We always do. We always do. And uh, we're, we'll dive into that in just a minute. I just wanted to touch on this, though. You know, it was this this murder of this girl in Athens, Georgia. Uh, it was just a matter of time before we started seeing high-profile cases like this. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, we had the cops attacked in Times Square. Then there was a stabbing at an immigrant facility in New York between... I think it was like 11 different illegals have been kind of roped into that. Now we see uh, Lake and Riley, this uh, 22-year-old student murdered while she went for a jog. And now Biden has decided it's time to do something. Um, It's politically untenable. We've discussed this, uh, how this was going to come back and be a real problem. Well, now the death of Lake and Riley has made an absolute, just an absolute problem that not even Biden can ignore, although he's, he may have already forgotten about it. But Biden and Trump are now planning on separate trips to the U.S. border, both on Thursday. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. President Biden will be visiting uh, the southern border on Thursday, the same day that former President Trump is also scheduled to go. Biden's going to be going to Brownsville, Texas, whereas Trump will be going to Eagle Pass, Texas. By the way, for those of you who don't know, that's about five, almost 550 miles separate those two towns. Just to give you some indication of how huge the state of Texas is, they're not going to be anywhere close to each other, but they will both be on the border. And I'm just kind of curious how this is going to play out. Uh, I don't think I don't think Biden's going to get a very warm welcome, much like his trip to East Palestine. Ohio didn't get a very warm welcome. I suspect Trump, on the other hand, will be hailed as a hero. But uh, what do you think about uh, this, uh, This uh, both of them hitting the border uh, on Thursday, Hash? Well, I don't know. You know, it's tis the season. Everybody's making their trips to the border, making their political statements. Um, Biden, however, you're probably not welcome in Texas. Just don't bother. You know, I think as, <laughs> as someone living in Texas, I could stand in solidarity with my brothers and sisters in Lahaina, in Maui, and my brothers and sisters in East Palestine. We don't need you here. We don't want you here. You are uh, culpable for this problem in particular, and uh, no one's interested in your thoughts. No one's interested in your PR junket. We don't care. We don't want you here, Uh, at least, you know, speaking for myself and uh, probably a lot of other Texans. I would agree. I would agree with that. And you mentioned Lahaina. Good God. He was, I mean, that was an embarrassment, that trip. The East Palestine, as we as we properly predicted, it would be yeah. incredibly choreographed. He would be kept away from the shouting mobs of people that said, you know, that, that, that blamed him. And he was. But here's the thing that's even more striking about all of this. It's, and it, it shouldn't come as a shock, I know, but I'm still shocked at it. 
The media is so downplaying this. I was reading a piece from uh, Julie Julie Pace on the uh, from the Associated Press. Julie Pace comes out in the Associated Press and starts talking about how female joggers are in more danger lately, and she rips off a few stories about female joggers being attacked. What was missing from the story? Any talk of the fact that the, the two of the biggest cases she mentions, Molly Tibbetts and now late uh, Lakin O'Reilly, both of them were attacked and murdered by illegal immigrants. Although if you read Julie Pace's piece, you never would have picked up on that because she didn't touch it. Then CNN doubles down and they do a piece where they say that um, there is absolutely no evidence that Im- our, our surge of immigration has led to higher crime rates. In other words, ignore your lion eyes. Uh, And Lake and Riley's last seconds, what she saw wasn't really an immigration problem. It was just a man who was bent on uh, destruction, death, murder, rape, whatever the hell he was doing. I'm so sick of the media not burying the lead because it's politically inconvenient for them to tell the truth. And here's the truth. Lake and Riley does not need to be dead. And she's dead because of policies enacted by the Democratic Party, period. Full stop. Yeah, and this. This whole thing about oh well we we don't want to um, f- further stereotypes we're we're not quite sure you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna honor this uh, suspect's immigration status T- tell that to Kyle Rittenhouse tell that to Nicholas Sandman remember Nicholas Sandman oh the, yeah the MAGA hat wearing Covington kid they had no problem lambasting those young men if you're a white young male and and you're involved in something like that they will try to paint you as the devil. Yet something like this happens, and we got to be quiet about it. We got to be respectful. Yeah, don't paint with a broad brush. Don't paint with yeah. a broad brush, even though don't we all that. see it. You know, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. What, what about the cops attacked in in New York City? Well, we don't. You know, we don't want to paint with a broad brush. Yeah, you're right. The whole virtue signaling crap is just getting sick, and uh, and, and that's just another example of it. But. We'll follow up with this as we go. Hey, at TNT, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest stories of our time. We broadcast live 24-7, 365, online, globally, no matter what, no matter where. We've got you covered on today's News Talk TNT. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, our next guest is a friend of the program. We always welcome him to the show because he brings so much with him, and he's got a great piece out now uh, on the, in the Washington Times. We're talking about our buddy uh, Peter Roth. Peter, welcome to the show. I must say that your your piece in the Times, your most recent, is uh, the timing is perfect because it's so true. Using litigation to make law is wrong. Well, that's lawfare. You've basically d- 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 summed it up. And yet that's what's happening. And it's happening to Donald Trump specifically, but it's really happening to anybody that gets on the wrong side of the people that are in power right now. It's Orwellian. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 brave new world territory. Uh, welcome to the show, Peter Roth. Why don't you kind of nutshell the article well, and give us your opinion? In a nutshell, um, the left has for far too long relied on the court's on judges to make laws. They don't go to state legislatures. They don't go to Congress because what they're trying to achieve is politically unpopular. Legislators, of course, are worried about reelection more than anything else. 
So they find a way, they contrive a way to get a case into a court where they can get a friendly judge to issue a ruling that effectively makes a law that requires a behavior or the ending of a behavior or some some modification of 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 things that Congress or a state legislature would never approve. Yeah. As an example, sort of blue skying it, how it might work. The Biden administration wants to ban gas stoves. That somehow your gas stove sitting in your kitchen off contributes to climate change. That's what they say. And it's not healthy for little children, which is the other lie they're always throwing out. So you get some you get some federal or state agency to promulgate a regulation um, having to do with 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 gas stoves, because you could never pass a law that says you have to get rid of your gas stove or you can't sell your house if you have a gas stove. You have to replace it with electric. And some homeowner says, oh, that's an infringement on my rights as a property owner. And they go into court and sue and bang, boom, before you know it, the regulation has been affirmed by a court, now has the full force of law. It applies to everyone. And and there's nobody that's accountable because, you know, these a lot of these judges have lifetime tenure. Nobody votes on them once they once they get on the bench. Uh, and and we're all stuck. And it, it and it, you know, when when you talk about, as the president likes to, threats to the democratic process, this is a much bigger threat than a bunch of numbnuts marching in Charlottesville. Um, or, you know, a bunch of bunch of losers who, you know, infiltrate conservative gatherings like CPAC to to get their five minutes in front of a national network news camera because they news won't cover any of their events. This is a real threat to the democratic process. It really is. You know, I'm 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 reading uh from your article here and um you say it's like a local state or federal agency imposes a ban administratively. And to your previous point, leaving no fingerprints tying anything uh, to politicians who are still out there seeking re-election. So this is really a, a sort of an odious means of using mm -hmm. uh, administrative tactics and lawfare to to create law. With, I mean, this is, this is a huge problem. I'm really glad you've flagged it up. What's the Thank you. What's the remedy? Is there a remedy to this? Well, there, 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 there are some, you know, there are some remedies. And, and, and the first thing is that people have to first, of course, be aware that this is going on. Um, Justice Clarence Thomas has long suggested that federal district court judges, which is the smallest individual unit in the federal system, need to be reined in. You, you may recall that when uh, President Trump issued his travel ban early in his administration, they found a federal district judge in, I think it was Hawaii, to um, enjoin the ban from being enforced and having that ban apply to the entire country. You know, usually, you know, district court decision, circuit court decision, you know, you gotta you gotta get to the Supreme Court before something applies to the whole country. But you get this district judge saying, "I don't like this. I don't think it's right." So I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoin the entire in, in the entire country. 
be nice to have some congressional hearings on that. It would be nice to see some judicial nominations torpedoed um, because um, judicial nominees or sitting judges who are being nominated to move up the chain, either from state courts into federal court or from federal district court to the circuit, to one of the circuits, um, had their nominations sunk because they make a habit of um, giving approval to these kinds of nutty regulations that have not been passed through the legislative process and signed into law by a president or a governor. Yeah. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, that I mean, we've talked about this for a long time, litigating from the bench. I mean, good God, we can go back to the, uh, the opinion that uh, John Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, effectively rewrote <laughs> the Obamacare law right on the spot saying, oh, okay, well, you meant it's a tax. And they didn't want to say it was a tax because if you say it's a tax, it's politically unpopular. So they just let the chief justice do it for them. I mean, that's, that's just right. but one That's just but one example of this litigation from the bench. And that, of course, is the Supreme Court. And that's why John Roberts, I think he is forever tarnished because of that idiotic ruling, uh, which I, I is not to say— right. Yeah. And, 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 and you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the, 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 the dissension among the ranks of that ruling basically called him out. Scalia, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Thomas, all of them said, this is insane. We've just effectively rewritten a law. I, I, I'm, I'm told they had five votes to overturn. <laughs> and Roberts flipped at the last minute, um, much to the displeasure of Justices Scalia, Thomas, um, Kennedy and Alito. Um, yeah. they were, even they were, Kennedy. they were, even Kennedy was on board, but you know, we, we've got this problem again now with all of these, these climate change lawsuits, the si climate science is very complicated. It's not just enough that the climate may be changing irreversibly. You have to prove that specific activities undertaken by mankind are the cause of irrevocable change in order to assert that they're responsible for damage. You know, there's, there's a principle in law about you not being held responsible for what somebody else does. And judges don't have the scientific expertise to really understand what's going on. So the liberal groups are running training seminars for them to, they say, train, I say, indoctrinate them into the science of climate change so that they can go after oil companies and natural gas companies and the people that contribute so much to this country and to our and to the high standard of living that we all enjoy, which includes things like not freezing in the winter and not sweltering in the summer because we can control the climate in our homes and businesses. And uh, yeah. they are trying to get judges to make decisions that, you know, contrary to the prohibition on post facto law, that, that it had to be illegal at the time you did it. You can't be held responsible for committing, for breaking a law that didn't exist at the time you did the behavior. They want to go back and 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 go after these companies because they didn't disclose the dangers or they hid the realities or they they weren't honest with investors, all kinds of things, because it is shut them down by any means necessary. 
Yeah. Uh, and it, this idea of like indoctrinating judges into the, the climate science, I mean, just into anything seems like contradictory to what we would expect from a judge. You would think that a judge would want to hear all facts from all people, especially if there's a debate about it. But we know very well, much like a lot of the COVIDian debates, the vaccine debates, uh, the opposing, the opposition researchers have been completely shut down. Say the same with the election, same with J6. So, um, Peter, I definitely follow, see- follow the science, meaning follow the consensus opinion that we have carefully managed to bully everyone into it, into adopting and don't pay any attention to the outliers that suggest, gee, maybe we're wrong. Maybe masks don't work. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't put sick people into nursing homes after they've had COVID to finish their recovery. Maybe we should protect the most vulnerable in our population and let everybody else go about their business like they did in Sweden, where it worked. Right, and like yeah. we usually do here in the United States. But, you know, this is why there's a lot of talk in the press and 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 and, and the people who participate regular, regularly in your program may have heard a lot of talk about a case involving the Chevron decision. And they don't really know what it's about, but it's right on point on this issue. Because of a Supreme Court decision handed down in, I think it was the, the mid-1980s in the Burger Court or the Rehnquist Court, federal judges are supposed to give broad latitude to administrative agencies when they take regulatory action. This was a decision in a case involving the oil company Chevron. That's why it's called the Chevron decision. There's a case coming up now that says that 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 if if it goes the way people think it should go, says no. Administrative agencies have to be able to tie their actions back to specific authorizations by Congress at the federal level. That that if well, Congress did not explicitly provide for you to take this action, take an action under review, then don't do it. And right now, it's up to the agency to make that determination whether or not it's in their purview. Well, you know, I, I would just say, Peter, we got we got to run, but I would just say that we can thank SCOTUS for, for really unleashing the uh, regulatory monster on all of us when they agreed that CO2 was a pollutant. We were off to the races once that happened. Once they said the air that you exhale is, uh, the breath that you exhale is now considered a pollutant, the regulatory agencies and all of these, uh, these uh, well, I would say far left, but there were some on both sides of the aisle that said, we can make a dollar off of this. We can really push what we want and they've done it. So it, it perfectly underscores your point. Peter Roth, thank you as always, my friend, thanks, for joining guys. us today. And uh, we look forward to Th doing thanks it again. Thanks for giving me so much time on a very tough topic to explain. Yeah. Well, you did a hell of a job with it. So thank you, Peter. We'll look forward to your next visit. All, All right. right. That's going to that's gonna do it for Peter Roth. You are watching State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. We'll be right back. TNT's Steve Malzberg. I've said that she is a selfish witch and that she's abusing her elderly husband so she could remain first lady. I've been saying that for a long time, that she ought to be ashamed of herself, but she's not.
she played second fiddle to Michelle Obama for eight friggin' years. Yep. Michelle Obama hated the place, could yep. not wait to leave the White House mm-hmm. so she could go make millions writing books and selling non-existent shows on Netflix. Yes. Which is fine. And that's what racket. you do post-presidency. Yeah. Jill Biden could not wait to live in the White House and now she does not want to leave. Yeah. I could not agree with her more. I've been saying this over and over and over again. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So Mayor Eric Adams announced Wednesday morning that drastic city budget cuts proposed for the coming fiscal year across all municipal agencies will be canceled and a hiring freeze will be lifted. Uh, Adams says New Yorkers should feel relieved after two rounds of punishing budget cuts to all but the most essential city services. He says the budget is stabilizing and a planned third round will no longer be necessary. Um, do, nor- do, do, do New Yorkers really feel relieved? Uh, what's the effect on the illegal alien situation? What's the effect on New Yorkers, more importantly? Um, joining us now to break down this situation and new breaking situations coming out of New York is 14-year New York Police Department veteran who's currently suing NYPD for the way his dismissal was used against him politically, Sal Greco, salgreco.com is your website. Sal, uh, what's Adams even talking about here? (laughs) Does this even make sense? Let me tell you something. With this guy, he's the king of the double talk. He'll say one thing here and another thing there. He is the least transparent mayor in the history of New York City. His administration is the least transparent administration in the history of New York City. Every 24 hours, this man some other article or some kind of news comes out where he's contradicting himself. He's done this over and over and over again. And, you know, you look at New York City in general, whether it's the illegal immigrants that are now pounding on cops, okay, throwing bottles at them in migrant shelters. There's no cooperate. There's not even talk about trying to cooperate with ICE. This is something that he, as the mayor, should walk over to city council and say, listen, we need to discuss this because there's two local laws that they were in place from the uh, the Koch administration and then implemented during de Blasio. All you have to do is, you know, we have to find a way around this. It's just legislation, nothing. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. He's too busy hanging out, as we know, in the Bronx. He loves hanging out in nightclubs. He's the mayor of nightlife. And I mean, in New York City, I, I feel bad for the residents there. They have to deal with this nonsense. And then he's incentivizing them what was it? Remember that $53 million deal he did with the credit cards? You say, you know, he's giving them, uh, he's giving them something and it's a, it's a kickback. That's what he's doing. It's a, his, he says contract, we say kickback, as Curtis Lever used would say. So, I mean, there's no surprise here. He's going to tell you one thing and then something else going on. He's the least transparent mayor in the history of New York City. And I wonder what he did today with Joe Biden in town, because he is, as he calls himself, 
the Biden of Brooklyn. <laughs> God. Woo. Uh, that's not a moniker that I would ever accept. I certainly wouldn't put it on myself. Um, but listen, Sal, it's good to see you, man. Um, you were just breaking. You were just talking about some breaking news before we came on the air. Now, Eric Adams is a is a disgrace. Eric Adams is uh, is is reaping what he and many progressives uh, in uh, the uh, from out of, whether you're in Gracie Manor or whether you're in the city council, they are reaping what they have sown. Correct. And now you've got this guy, you've got this murder suspect uh, that murdered a woman in uh, at the Soho Hotel in New York. He gets caught in Arizona, and Alvin Bragg wants him extradited back to the city, and the Arizona DA is saying, nope, that's not going to happen because we don't trust that you'll put him on trial. Well, you'll probably let him go. And of course, it should be pointed out that this guy that killed the jogger in Athens, Georgia, guess what? He had been arrested in New York too, and he was let go. I mean, when do the people of New York City wise up to this crap? What's what? What was the news you were just bringing us uh, about him wanting to put a gag order on Trump or something? Yeah, it's just reported by Simon Atiba. He's a big reporter from DC. He's on uh, X. And it's on his ex that Alvin Bragg is now requesting a gag order on Donald Trump to protect the jurors and the witnesses in his criminal case. So so Alvin Bragg, the same guy who, you know, when he the, the initial attack happened a couple of weeks ago on these police officers, there were seven of these these illegal immigrants running around. He only held one of them when the easy thing to do when these people were arrested is you request to the judge that they remain in prison because they're a flight risk. It's the easiest thing to do. He did not do that, and they ran off to another state exactly because they're a flight risk. But Alvin Bragg is known for one thing. He's a public corruption guy. He has, when it comes to crime, I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. He's a public corruption attorney. He That was what he specialized in back when he was in the uh, USDNY in the Southern District of New York. So now, as a DA, what do you expect? You try to tell this guy, hey, we got a robbery here. He's probably looking around going, what is that? Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know what to do. And here he is giving gag orders. I mean, Steve, where did we see this before with gag orders? Where have we seen this? Who did this happen to? <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, hello. You. My <laughs> friend. My friend Roger Stone. That's what happened. Yeah. They gagged him. Okay. And then when you try to appeal these things, they go through the court, they take forever, and by the time it gets back that they rule on this, it's trial time. And they do it on purpose so that you are not allowed to defend yourself. I highly, listen, President Trump speaking does not affect his jury or his witnesses. They just don't want him defending himself because he has the biggest, you know, he has the biggest voice out there. And when he defends himself, everyone's going to listen. Because you know they don't want you to look at how what of a sham criminal trial he's putting up. The only trial I want to see is the Eric Ulrich trial. I'm very interested to see how Alvin Bragg handles the straw donor scheme that continues to this day, from what I'm hearing, with Eric Adams and all the people around him. That's what he specializes in. But when it comes to crime, he just has no no clue what he's doing. And and this 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 gag order. I wonder who called his office and said, put a gag on, on President Trump, because, you know, you're seeing this 
and all these other cases. They want to do this in D.C. because that's where the whole idea originated from. And now I'm hearing something else with Fannie Willis. It looks like is there's another breaking story here. It Sal, says, Sal, wait, 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 Sal, I can't, I can't take it. I need a headline before you break one more story. We appreciate you breaking okay. stories here with the State of the Nation. We got a TNT headline inbound. We'll pick up right there with Fanny, Fanny Willis on the other side of this brief headline at today's News Talk, TNT. Now, TNT Radio News. Uh-oh. Scandal. Huge news. This is very important. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. President Volodymyr Zelensky disclosed that 31,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died since the onset of Russia's full-scale invasion two years ago, marking the first official casualty count provided by Ukraine in over a year. President Joe Biden is set to meet with four congressional leaders at the White House on Tuesday to discuss passing an emergency aid package for Ukraine and Israel to prevent a government shutdown next month. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, Sal Greco is our guest. SalGreco.com is his website. Now, Sal, you got more breaking news for us out of Fulton County, it sounds like. What's going on here with Fannie Willis now? That's right. It's coming out of Breitbart News, okay, and it's right here. Breaking, exclusive. Biden administrative uh, administration planted DNC operative Jeff DeSantis, not spelled like the disgraceful governor of Florida, spelled D-I, D-I-Santis, D-Santis with an I, in Fannie Willis's office to target Donald Trump, multiple sources say. Quote, anyone that has common sense knows that the White House has been involved in this prosecution, end quote. So this is coming out of Breitbart News. You can read the article. I mean, if it's not one guy or one DA, it's another. You see what I'm talking about? <laughs> you look at, so we have Fannie Willis, who just perjured herself the other day with what she was saying. Oh, the phone, the pinging. You got nailed. She got nailed lying. She's involved with this guy. There was money being, you know, she paid this guy. It's state money. It's a fraud. She's a fugazi. Then we have uh, Jack Smith who's the special counsel, who was illegally constituted as a special counsel. The guy wasn't even in America when they made him the special counsel to that case. Who, by the way, there's a whistleblower that went to D.C. He bribed somebody. He's involved in a bribery case. I don't know what they're doing with the whistleblower. You can look this up. Jack Smith bribed somebody and took money, okay? And, and this is a whole thing that's going on on the side of, of uh, in D.C. with that case. And then finally, we have Letitia James, who we all know in New York, okay, she's involved with that nightclub in the Bronx, Concerfrito, who I've come on in numerous times to explain, number one, had no permits, hasn't paid any rent there. Now they were ordered to take down the illegal structure that had no certificate of occupancy, 20 fire department violations, yet somehow remained open for the last three years. Why? Well, there's a police commissioner's brother. And guess who likes to hang out there? The illustrious mayor of New York, Eric Adams. The Bronx District Attorney, Darcel Clark, uh, the City Councilman of New York, Ralph Salamanca, Ruben Diaz Jr., uh, Councilwoman Farias, uh, the list could go on and on. The main people that go to the main one, Carl Hasty, who's the State Senate, the State Assembly Leader of New York, and who has been involved and has been rumored he's gotten in trouble for this straw donor stuff, okay, is standing there with who else? Who's always there? Letitia James. Someone needs to look into Letitia James' relationship with the one infamous Jimmy Rodriguez, who is 
on his LinkedIn, he is the creator and manager of Concerto. You look up his record, he's a criminal, a mob associate. Heck, he's been pictured with Bill Clinton and knows Hillary Clinton very well, if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty. This, these are the people that are attacking the president. These three attorneys. How and, and Alvin Bragg, add that guy on it, because now I don't know if he knows what a criminal case is. I know he knows what public corruption is. He doesn't know what a criminal case is because he's letting all kinds of assault. He doesn't even know that that guy left the state when he went to Arizona. He let him out. Somebody wake this guy up. Say, hey, Alvin, uh, we have a we have a, a criminal case here. Oh, is that Senator so-and-so? That's all he knows. That's all he knows. So really, New York has always a low voter turn. When they, when they have these, these vote, you know, they have the elections just like they did the other day in, in, in Nassau. It's always a low voter turnout. And what you need is people, you need to go out there and vote. You can't just sit there and watch TV or whatever they're doing during the day because that's what's affecting New York. And it's a microcosm of the rest of the country. And, and, and if you see this, what's going on, it's it's quite, it's very, it's it's very discouraging what happened to you, especially with this, now the gag order. You know, it's just sick. I, I've seen this playbook before. It's the Roger Stone playbook. We've seen this over and over again. Gag the guy try to ruin him, railroad him this way, he's guilty, and then what? They're going to put him in handcuffs? They want to, they want to put him in chains and shackles and leave him in the, in uh, what is that, Met, uh, MDC or uh, down there at the MCC in, in Manhattan? That's what they want to put the president in so that he can't campaign? I mean, that seems to be the playbook here, uh, Steve and uh, Brian. Yeah. it's it's it. <laughs> so, Sal, what I'm getting from you is there might be a little bit of corruption going on in New York. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. that? <laughs> what a rogue I, gallery he just described too my i know goodness. no like, kidding where do these people get the time to hang out like i, I certainly wouldn't have time to have like that kind of well, circle they've hanging plans, out at some shady Asher. place they've <laughs> got to make plans to railroad trump um but you know sal real quick you mentioned fanny willis now this strikes me as odd because it, now it's coming out that the fanny willis and uh and and her lover nathan wade apparently had contact they contacted each other over the phone over 2,000 times before he was hired as a prosecutor for this Trump case. They're also using phone data, and you'll recall when Nathan Wade was on the stand, it was very pointedly put to him. So if we found phone records that showed that you were there, you're telling us right now under you know under oath that those phone records would be, would be wrong. And Nathan Wade goes, I'm telling you they'd be wrong. Mm. <laughs> well, that's coincidental because... 35 yeah. times he visited and it wasn't like, Oh, he showed up at seven 30, had dinner and was out of there by 10. No, he was arriving at Fannie Willis's neighborhood. Uh, cause they can't put it right at the house, but they say he was there. It was a 40 minute drive from his house. He was there between 1145 and he would leave normally between three 30 and four 30 in the morning. That is a, 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 uh, that is a, that is a booty call. That's what that is. And 35 of them, and now they're saying, well, that's not evidence of anything. And Fanny's trying to say that, well, there's all kinds of nightclubs around there because people just get a wild hair at a quarter to 12 and go nightclubbing an hour away from their house. The whole thing is crazy. And, and not only that, uh, Sal, but this is the thing that really is the kicker. Those same types of phone records are being used to put J6ers in prison right now. Right. And Fanny Willis is arguing that these phone records are inconsequential. It's corrupt everywhere you look when they go after Trump on this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I also, so I guess he was just going at 3.30 to review court documents, maybe. Or she's saying nightclub. So I guess the, the, the Atlanta version of Consofrito has their own felons running that, and they go to go hang out with them, right? I mean, that's what I'm getting at, because it's the same thing these people seem to do. It's a pattern. See, in the police department, they train you with your eyes and your ears and your senses. Patterns matter. When you develop a pattern, you have criminality, and that's how you build a case. And I see that with these people, but they don't like to have a light shine on them because, you know, some of them, their complexion is their protection. That's what Eric Adams likes to use. So I could see how these, you know, Fannie Willis and Letitia James are going to try to play that card. But no, it has nothing to do with that. You guys are corrupt and you need to be held accountable. The same goes for Eric Adams or any corrupt politician. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Corruption must be rooted out. And this is a disgrace and a black eye for this country. It's a stain on this country. It absolutely is. Absolutely. Sal Greco, very well said. SalGreco.com is the website and the Sal Greco on X Twitter.com. Also, Sal, thank you for joining us here on State of the Nation. We'll look forward to your next appearance. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again real soon here at State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Americans this week celebrated President's Day. Or did we? The answer, of course, is that we did not. We celebrated George Washington's birthday. And possibly, if you want to include Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, whose birthday, February 12th, was given up for Martin Luther King Day back in the 1980s. But we definitely did not celebrate Millard Fillmore and James Buchanan. We didn't celebrate Jimmy Carter or Bill Clinton, and we most definitely did not celebrate Barack Obama and Stumblebum Joe. Why does this matter? Am I just being picky and pedantic? No, it matters because words matter. George Orwell wrote, the slovenliness of our language makes it easier for us to have foolish thoughts. Put more colorfully, blurry words carry deplorable thinking the way that mosquitoes carry malaria. You should always question the dominant narrative, whether it's that Standard time going into daylight savings time is an artifact from our agrarian past when in actuality farmers argued against it when the progressives put it in 110 years ago. That the Republican Party and the Democrat Party flipped after the 1960s when that's demonstrably false. And even that red is the Republican color and blue is the Democrat color when again the opposite is true. In fact, the opposite is always true what the dominant narrative seems to be. So question the words or else you've lost the argument before it's even begun. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. JDRF's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. The type 1 diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the type 1 diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the type 1 diabetes community, we're energised by the type 1 community, and we're accountable to the type 1 diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist, and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. 
to everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, no matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. Issues that dominate America. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, Charlene and Ty Bollinger are renowned healthcare freedom advocates. They've been around for a long time. They're filmmakers uh, and founders of the widely acclaimed website, uh, The Truth About Cancer was their book. And they've got a new project coming up. And it's all about, well, it's all about cancer and also turbo cancers and what the fallout of the of the jab has been. And we welcome Charlene Bollinger to State of the Nation now. Hello, Charlene. It's so good to see you. How are you? I'm great. It's it's great to be back. It's always a pleasure to get to um, unpack the truth that mainstream doesn't seem to want to talk about. Well, yeah, they don't, they don't want to hear from the uh, the dirty dozen uh, or whatever they called you guys. <laughs> I forget. I mean, whatever that disinfo. <laughs> yeah, the din- yeah, disinfo exactly. dozen. Right. Yeah, there you go. As as they right. continue to cover for uh for for the for the pandemic factory, um, why don't you tell us uh the new project that you and Ty are working on and some of the new insights that you've uh, you've learned that you may want to share with us? Yeah, well, you know, uh, we've been all over the world doing interviews with the world's top experts and healers. That many of them had to flee America because, like us, you know, being uh, labeled disinformation dozen people. We're one of the 12 most dangerous people on earth because we tell the truth about COVID, cancer, and the rest of the conspiracies that are not just theories or facts. So, um, you know, what, now we're dealing with turbo cancers. And we talked about this in the beginning of this COVID push. We, we knew that the shot would cause uh, advanced cancers, quick cancers, that they would kill a lot of people. We would have heart issues, blood clotting issues. They said that we were crazy, but you know what? I, I hate to be vindicated in such a way, but we were right. Many millions of people are now dead because of the shot, including a family member of ours, a close family member of ours. I think everybody's dealing with that now, sadly. Um, but we're also seeing these turbo cancers, which is horrific. So we've been all over the world uh, here in America, in Europe, and then we went to Asia. So we're just now releasing Eastern Medicine. This is one of the best doctor series we ever created. Um, our film crew with Ty went to Asia. I was in the studio. We, we put the storyboard together to help the viewers understand how they can heal their bodies from these cancers. And right now, everybody knows somebody with cancer. And so we're airing it free. It starts, episode one starts this Thursday. So the viewers can go to thetruthaboutcancer.com. At the top, you can click the link to our trailer page. And there you can watch our trailer, sign up so that we could send you the links. We're being censored. We can't even post this stuff on Facebook. I will not be posting these links and things on Facebook. Um, the conventional ways of sharing have been nuked. Uh, we're shadow banned on the channels that we have left. So we're, we're opening a Substack. I encourage everybody to watch out for that. I'm going to send the welcome email, um, I think, tonight or tomorrow. So we're super excited about that. Uh, we've got a lot going on to, to work around the censorship grid just to reach the world with life-saving solutions that we didn't have when we lost mom and dad to cancer. 
Yeah, you know, Substack is probably a great place to do that. I'm happy to hear you guys are are launching a Substack. That'll be a great place to keep up with you. I'll I'll be getting over there and uh, subscribing to that for sure. Now, you know, um, we follow and have spoken with Dr. William Mackis, uh, you know, a number of people um, that you're very familiar with. And I'm, I'm looking at, I look at uh, Dr. William Mackis's page today, and I'm seeing, you know, just so many stories. He's really good about the, the personal stories and, um, you know, the factual events of people's deaths and stuff like that. And uh, this rise in turbo cancer is extremely disturbing. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that and in young people, people much, much younger than you would expect it from. So, I mean, obviously we've got uh, a whole bunch of problems with myocarditis, uh, you know, people pass, you know, sports, sportsmen and women dying on the field uh, and, and just not, Where's the ticker? Where, where's the case ticker and the fear, the yeah. fear tickers that we saw in 2020 and 2021? But getting back to what you learned and and you're going to be presenting in Eastern Medicine, a docu series. Um, what did you find as you went around the world? What what kind of things can you preview us uh, that will that you've learned in there? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in Asia, unlike Western medicine, Eastern medicine is addressing um, cancer and disease and physical ailments as a whole person, holistically, completely and entirely uh, from head to toe, both um, physically and spiritually. So cancer is more than just a tumor. And in the West, we have the big three um, uh, cancer treatments that are accepted by the modern medical monopoly that is in place today, which is chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. And that's it. And so we know these doctors that are inside of this system that are scratching their head, hanging their heads, and they're all but hopeless right now because they do want to help their patients. But in medical school and in the hospitals, they've not been given the tools that they need to help the patients. And they don't even know what to do because their education was drug-intensive therapies. So while they learned about chemotherapy and radiation and learned how to perform surgery, they don't really know how to uh, eradicate the body from disease, detoxify the body, how to nourish the body and not just the body, but the spirit. Now we found out when we went to Asia, it was really shocking the difference those doctors had and their outlooks on treatments compared to Western doctors. Even some Western doctors that are um, what, what I guess are known as alternative, but I don't like using the term because alternative means that's the new kid on the block. That's a, a new modality of, of treatment. No, this is advanced medicine that has been around since the beginning of time. And in the Western world, we've been sold a bill of goods through the Rockefeller machine of medicine, which is drug pushing medicine. So that's all we have. But in the East, they, they almost all of the doctors said that every case of cancer, listen to me when I tell you this, this is a shock maybe to some people, but every case of cancer is directly linked to some negative emotion, whether it's fear or anger or um, bitterness, uh, those types of feelings, they manifest themselves physically over time. I mean, when you read the Bible, you see that David, when he had this sin, he killed a guy to cover up his adultery, basically. And when he was just living without forsaking this horrific thing that he did, not admitting it, his body was just wasting away. This is an actual physical um, reality 
with our bodies when we were dealing with something so negative. So what happened during COVID? Not only were we assaulted with these um, horrific RNA vaccine, they're not vaccines, but shots with all of the poisons in them that are causing terrible cancers. But what did people do? They were locked down in their homes. Now we weren't, we lived our lives normally, but most people turned on CNN or Fox News, whatever, it's all the same. And they were listening to Fauci and all of the liars peddle the lies, and they were very afraid. You know, there were, when they hit us being on the disinformation dozen, uh, my publicist called me and said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry what they're doing to you on CNN. So I turned it on CNN for the first time in a decade. That's when I realized, wow, this is just a big, fat, fear-mongering machine. No wonder people are afraid. And so people became very afraid. And so it's a combination of the shots, the poisons, the toxins, and the uh, emotional fear. People were living in fear and that caused disease. So it was just the perfect storm of revenue for big pharma. They don't actually want you dead, but now you have to wonder, maybe they do, right? They say they want a lot of people dead, but they're making money on this. So they're making money on the shot. They're making money on the chemotherapy. The oncologists are making a commission on the chemotherapy. So as they prescribe the drugs, they're getting a kickback. This is such a corrupt machine. It's, it's unspeakable. But in Asia, they're, they're treating the person's heart, their mind, their emotions. They're helping them become free from bitterness, from an unforgiving spirit, from fear, and living with joy, gratefulness. And um, sometimes just that alone heals the patient. We know of a story of a man that literally laughed his way back to health. He was diagnosed with cancer. So he started watching, you know, um, the the three guys. I, I don't think they're funny. So I don't even remember it. My husband, Ty, he thinks they're funny. The three stooges. Yeah, the three stooges and, you know, things like I love Lucy. Just laughing and laughing and laughing. The, the Bible says that um, that a cheerful heart is good medicine. That is an actual physical reality. So that's one of the biggest things we took from Asia. These doctors are treating the emotions as well as the physical um, person. So it's a holistic approach to cancer and everybody needs to learn about it. This is one of the best docu-series we've ever created. It's going to be airing free. Everyone needs to watch it and everybody needs to share it um, so that we can help people not have to die. This is our mission in life so that other families don't have to experience. We lost seven people very close together to the conventional mm. cancer therapies. This is why we do what we do. Our heart is in it. We want to save lives, and we have had the pleasure of doing this for a long time now. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, Charlene, it sounds fascinating. I, I look forward to watching it myself. But it wasn't just turbo cancers. Of course, we had lots of myocarditis and other cardio issues. I personally suffered what I know for a fact was an injury uh, thankfully, I think it's, I, I think I've recovered from it, but I had some real, uh, autoimmune issues, chronic fatigue, every joint in my body felt like it was, uh, uh made of rusty tin. I mean, it, I was, I was in a lot of pain. My liver enzymes shot up to outrageous numbers. I went to a hematologist and a very highly respected hematologist in New York city. I shan't mention her name, but she's at, uh, at Mount Sinai and she's very good renowned. And the very first question she asked me was, did you get the jab? That was the first question out of her mouth. And that's when I knew 
They know something that they're not sharing because this woman would not go out of her way to ask that question right out of the gate unless she knew something. And so I put it to her. I said, yes, I did get it. I didn't want to get it. But at the time, the company that I worked for, not TNT, by the way, uh, basically said as a blanket policy, you either get it or you don't work here anymore. And now I'm like just livid with them. But you're seeing cancer, turbo cancers in otherwise healthy young men and women. We're seeing these cardio issues and we're seeing autoimmune issues. Is all of this, do you think, uh, Charlene, is all of this tied? I mean, obviously mood and, you know, your your view outlook helps. I get that. But do you think all of this is tied back to the jab? Well, the, the things that you mentioned, yes. I mean, the, the uh, blood clots, they pulled Johnson & Johnson shot early on because that one was yeah. clearly causing so many blood clot issues in the patients. But they, they all are. Um, my close relative that died, she had a blood clot in the center of her body. The doctors, she went to a local hospital, then she went to the Cleveland Clinic, and they kept sending her home saying, you're fine, you're fine. Well, she had this massive blood clot in her aorta in the middle of her body, which blocked all of the blood flow to her intestines for months until she was at the end of her life. And they said, oh, let's cut her open to see if we could save her. So they find this big blood clot but it's too late. Her intestines are dead. They closed her up and she died within the hour. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. And little kids having heart attacks, myocarditis, this has never happened in the history of the world. So yes, 100%. I mean, we've got the Surgeon General down in Florida now saying, don't take the shot. The shot is dangerous. He started out saying, young men don't take the shot. First kids, then young men, then just don't take the shot. One honest doctor, you know, who is on the government payroll, who was telling the truth. And we admire uh, Joe Latipo. He's a friend of ours and his wife, and we need more of that type of uh, um, rhetoric going out of truth into the world. So yeah, all the things that you mentioned are a direct result of the shot. And most people felt pushed into the shot. Think about it. People didn't get the shot because they wanted to avoid COVID. They got the shot so they could travel. They got the shot so they could go to work. They got the shot so they could see their little grandbaby or whatever it was. Um, but they didn't get the shot to to save their their life from getting COVID and dying. By and large, that's the the story. Yeah. So yeah, we're in a pickle here, and we've got to wake people up and and stop doing what they tell us because their vested interest isn't our life; it's their bottom line. They want to make and, money, you know, and they're making. Charlene, I would just say, just to kind of underscore that point. There's a lot of reasons we don't hear about this. I mean, and we've talked about it. Hesher and I have talked about it on this very program. Is that you watch Fox, CNN, ABC, it doesn't really matter. You watch any news. They go to commercial break. We'll be right back after this commercial break. The very first spot is brought to you by Pfizer. Or it's Cindy Lauper talking about something. It's, it's, it really is. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, corrupt group. Uh, before we let you go, and we got to, because there's, there's my shut up Steve music. Where can we find you and when are you going to release this? Just real quick. The truthaboutcancer.com. That's our hub with everything. On the top, there should be a bar where you can click in Easter Medicine to watch the trailer. Sign up there. It's free. Watch it. Share it. Help us to save lives. Charlene Bollinger, thank you. Thanks to you and Ty. We appreciate it. We look forward to having you on the program again. Have a wonderful day. 
Well, that's going to that's going to do it for Hesher and I in State of the Nation. The Misty Winston Show is coming up next. We look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow on State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT.